want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here. It's, it's kind of you to come and be a part of a church and, and, to, and to just help us to grow and help yourself to grow in the Lord. It's a, it's a kind thing. Um, if the Lord were to come to me uh, this day and say, you only have this day to live, and uh, this is it, I believe this would be the message that I would love to preach. If this had to be the only message that I could preach to a church, any church, to a people that that want to um, grow in the Lord, I would believe that this is the message. The book of Joshua is starting to change my life. We're in the first chapter, and what we were going to take a look at is what made Joshua so strong. You see, I look at Joshua as I do anybody in scriptures that I try to study, and um, I try to to see what, what is it about this person that makes him special. What is this about this person, whether it be um, somebody that really has, has done something magnificent unto the Lord, and how can I become like that, or someone who has done something despicable unto the Lord, and, and I ask the Lord, how can I stay away from being that type of a person? And as I look at the life of Joshua I, in the first chapter only, I think I've got the understanding of what made him so powerful. I think I have the understanding of what he made him a man that, that, that stood out amongst all the people. The one who had the faith, the one that, that claimed to the, the people that he is going to be talking to today within Scripture some 40 years ago, saying, let's go into the promised land. Let's go into the promised land. It is ours. The Lord God has promised us the land. And the other ten spies, remember there were 12 spies, the other ten spies that came back besides him and Caleb said, oh, we can't go in. We can't go in. The people are enormous. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't go in. And so because they didn't trust and didn't believe in what Caleb and Joshua told them, and by the way, they should have trusted and they should have believed because God says, you are going to go in and take a look at the land, the land that I have given you. And yet the people said, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. They're too big. So I look at this and I, I see what, what set Joshua apart. Why? And I think we have the clues all around us in the first chapter. And I would like to explain them to you as closely as I know how. As I have been touched by reading this and studying it. I don't have an agenda. I just want you to see the Lord. Let's take a look at what I consider to be one of the finest places in Scripture that I've ever had the privilege of reading. I want to read with you again verses 6 to the end of this chapter. Because what I want to see within those few verses is what made Joshua such a wonderful leader. Verse 6, the Lord says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. And be careful to do according to all the law which the Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous. For then 
you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is given you to possess it. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but you shall cross over before your brothers in battle array all your valiant warriors, and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sun's sunrise. Verse 16 says, And they answered Joshua and said, All that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words in all that you commanded him, shall he be put to death. Only be strong and courageous very interesting here just before I pray I want you to take note I think it's in verse 12 13 and 14 I believe Joshua went to the Gadites the Reubenites and to Manasseh the half tribe of Manasseh and he told them what they were going to do and he told them what you promised Moses you will have to fulfill today as we're going to see in a little while very briefly but we're going to see some time ago, when they got to this the Jordan River and they didn't cross over, the Gads, the Reubens, Reubenites, and, and the Manassas, they all decided to stay on this side of the Jordan because they said the land was very rich and, and full for their cattle. They could, they could have their cattle eat to their house content. And so they said, we do not want to go over. And, and Moses became angry with them and says, you have to go over. You have to go over and do battle. You can't let your brothers go over and do battle on their own. You must go with them. And so what Joshua says to them, array yourself, get ready, go over with us, do battle. Once the battle is over with, once we possess the land on that side, you can come back. You can come back to your family. You can come back to your wives, your children, and your cattle. But first, we must all go and do battle. It's a very interesting place in Scripture. As we're going to see later, much later, In chapter 22, this is going to cause a problem, ultimately. They're not crossing over. It's going to cause Israel a problem. But sufficient to say Moses gave them permission. Permission to stay on this side of the Jordan. But they had to go with their brothers. They had to go and do battle to possess the land. And what I want us to learn from that is that 
there is a commitment within a body of Christ. There is a commitment within a, a business. There is a commitment within a family. There is a commitment within, within any group or any, any organization that you might have that there must be some set rules. There must be something that is, is moving us as a unit to do what God has called us to do. What gives a church strength? What gives a person strength? What gives a family strength? What gives a business strength? I think you'll see today as we leave this place. I ask you to pray with me that God will bless this time. I would like to pray with you. Father, we just sang a song amongst many that we sang today, but we asked, Father, that you be glorified in and through our lives that you be glorified, dear Father. It would be wise for us to understand that this life that we live is not about us. It's just not. It's always been about you. It shall always be about you. We are just a people who are to glorify you in and through our lives. You give us great promises if we'll do that. You promise us a a peace that surpasses all understanding. You promise us a, an eternal resting place that we can be with you forever. You promise us so much. But this life in which we live right now, this church, businesses, families, it's not about any one of us. It's all about you. And so, Father, it is my deepest prayer that you will move our hearts today to hear, to hear what does it take to be unified? What does it take to find strength within a, a group of people? I think the lesson is clear. I just pray that you'll give me the courage and the insight, Father, to preach it. To preach it, Father, from your heart, not my own. If there is anything in me in this message, would you please remove it? Would you please, Father, take me and move me aside? I beg of you that. I beg, I beg, I beg of you, Father. Move me aside. Let us hear from your heart. Let us observe what made Joshua so special. So, Father, I pray your blessings upon this time. May it, Father, be pleasing to you. And we understand that, Father, what is pleasing to you is your word that it be preached, that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds, that we might behold wonderful things from your law, your most precious word. So, Father, fulfill your promise in each of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. There is absolutely nothing, people, nothing greater than unity and strength whether it's within a church, and we're going to be talking spe specifically about a church, but you can use it in connection to a business, to a group, to, a, you know, to an athletic team. It could be anything. There is nothing greater than unity and strength. And that unity and strength is for the people to understand that they will faithfully follow the leadership that the Lord has placed over them. You see, without the people of God following the person of God, 
there can be no leadership of God. Think with me for a moment. We saw it last week. We saw it the week before. When we read through Joshua chapter 1, we recognized that Joshua was a man of strength. He was a valiant warrior. And Scripture allows you and me to know what made him a valiant warrior. Plain and simple, it's found in verses 7 and 8. It was his reliance upon the Word of God. Look, God says to Joshua, verse 7, Joshua, only be strong. Now forgive me, but I'm going to add some words to the text, but I'm not going to change the text. I'm just going to give you some emphasis. God would be saying, Joshua, be strong. Be very courageous, Joshua. And Joshua, be careful. Be careful, my son, to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, told you, commanded you to do. Don't turn. Don't turn, Joshua, either to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Because Joshua, as it says in verse 8, because Joshua, this book, this book of the law, this that I have given you to understand me, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth. You should meditate on it day and night so that you could be careful, careful, Joshua, to do according to all that I have written to you. Because then, Joshua, then you're going to make your way prosperous. Then, Joshua, then you're going to find success. If you'll note there, it's, it's about Joshua doing what God had asked him to do, about his reliance upon the Word of God. That's what gave him his strength. That's what gave him his courage. That's what made him a valiant warrior. He believed God. The same thing that Paul did. When Paul was on that ship and it was being tossed and turned and everybody was fearing for their lives, Paul stood up and said, Man, man, we're going to make it. I believe God. The God in whom I behold. The God in whom I serve He said, we're going to make it. And so it was Joshua's reliance upon the Word of God that gave him strength. But secondly, and thirdly, what else was the strength of Joshua? Well, it can be found in verses 16 and 17. It was the heartbeat of the people because the people were willing to follow him and pray for him. First, they promised, Joshua will follow you. You see, the last generation, when Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 the land is fine. They aren't that big. They aren't that great. God has told us we will overcome them. They believed the ten spies. And so what, what was at that time, Joshua was not a great leader, it looked like, because it was the people that made Joshua special. And so they say in verse 16, Joshua Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we're going to do. Wherever you send us, we're going to go. And then they encouraged him by praying for him. And they say in verse 17, just as we obeyed Moses and everything, so we're going to obey you. And now they pray, only, only may the Lord our God be with you, Joshua, just as he was with Moses. 
The best thing that you and I can do for our leaders is to pray for them, to ask God to be with them, to care for them, and to follow them. You see, no Christian succeeds apart from prayer. It is impossible. No matter how successful you may think they are, no matter how experienced you may think they are, none of us, none of us have a prayer without prayer. I want to prove this to you. I want you to to learn something very strong with me from Hebrews chapter 13. Hold your place here and please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. It's a great lesson from the Word of God about following and praying for God's leaders. In Hebrews chapter 13, it's a lesson for every single one of us who will just listen to the voice of our God. Verse 17 says this in Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, plain and simple. You cannot misinterpret it. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Because they keep watch over your souls. As those who are going to give an account. So let them do this with joy and not with grief. Because it would be unprofitable for you. Then verse 18 says, pray. Pray for your leaders. Pray for us. Because it says we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Obey your leaders. Submit your leaders. Because they keep watch over your soul. I wonder how many of you have lost a night's sleep over some people within our church who have decided to leave. For whatever reason, whatever reason. And they leave and they don't say why. Don't write back, don't say I'm sorry or thank you. Just leave. How many of you toss and turn at night and wonder why? How many of you lost sleep? I'll tell you who your leaders do. I know I have. It hurts my heart to its very core. And I understand, I know this is a foolish example, but I understand the whole thing of leadership and and submitting and obeying it. This last Sunday, we had what I would consider a high watermark in our church as we had a baptism for some, I don't know, 26, 27, 20, 30 people. For those of you that were there, it was incredible. It was the Spirit of God was in that place like I couldn't even begin to tell you. And when I drove up, I saw Bob Gold, faithful Bob Gold, one of our parking attendants. And he looked at me and says, can you believe it's been a year? A year has gone by. And I reflected. The last time I drove up to the Verhoeven's home on that Sunday afternoon, Bob Gold saw me coming, and he went in the middle of the street, and he put up his arms to stop me, and he said, Come on, move in there. And I said, no. I didn't want to park in the driveway. I wanted to park down the street and walk. I wanted everybody to see me being like them. It was pure pride. Trust me, it was pure pride. And so I said, no, no, I'll park down the street. And he went, you know, just wherever my car would know. (laughs) And it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I wasn't in control of this parking situation 
that Bob Gold was the leader and I was to follow where he asked me to park. And my pride had nothing to do with it. And so I pulled in there. And this year when I came, a year later I just come driving up and there he was looking for me. And he went like this and I went right in. Because it was my job to submit to my leader. And how many of us at church oh, find it so hard to submit? So hard to do what we've been asked to do. So hard to believe that the leadership of this church is, is keeping watch over your soul. And allow them to do what they do with joy and not with grief. Because not to do that would be unprofitable for you. The best thing we can do for our leadership is to follow and to pray. Pray that God will be with them. Perhaps even more important for strength and leadership is, is unity. Nothing can bring down and nothing can hinder the spirit of a church or a business or 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 a family, nothing can be more harmful than to have people murmuring over the leadership that has been given to them by God. If you don't think so, then I want you to look with me, please. Hold your place again here in Joshua and turn with me back to the book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 15. I'm just going to look at a few verses. I just want you to catch the flavor of people who murmured against leadership and, and wanted their way and, and then didn't pray for their leaders. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 24, actually verses 22, 23, they, they went and, and they found no water, it says in verse 23. And then when they came to a place called Mara, they, they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. And so what did they do? Well, of course, verse 24, they grumbled at Moses. and said, what in the world are we going to drink? Look at chapter 16 and verse 2 of Exodus. It says, Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat? We ate bread to the full. They did not. They did not. They're lying through their teeth. You brought us out to this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out and gather a day's portion every day that might test them whether they'll walk in my instruction or not. Look at verse 8. Moses then said, This is going to happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. The Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against who? Who? Against Moses? Against Aaron? The Lord hears your grumbling that you're grumbling against him. Because Moses says, What are we? Who are we? What in the world have we? We're just... We've just been called by God to do what God's called us to do. And your grumblings aren't against us. It's against God. Look at chapter 17. 
they went further and they found again no water. Verse 1, there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses again, said, Give us water that we might drink. And Moses says to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said again to him, Why have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children? And so Moses, it says in verse 4, cried out to the Lord, said, What shall I do with this people? What shall I do with them? In a little while, they're going to stone me to death. I wanted to take a look at Numbers chapter 13 and 14, but it pretty much says the same thing. If you looked at Numbers 13 and 14, all it would tell you is that that was the time when Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies went out and they looked at the new land, the land, the promised land, that the Lord God said in verse 1 and 2 of, of Numbers chapter 13, this is the land that I have given to you. Not that you, you're going to have to maybe get, maybe not get. I have given it to you. And so when the spies came back, ten of them said, we can't go in there. It's too great. It's too big. It, it's, it's too much for us. They're, they're, they're huge. We're just like grasshoppers. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, no. The Lord God has given us this land. It, it's ours. And so in, in chapter 14 of Numbers, the Lord God said, this generation of people will not go in to the land You see, it's not a wise thing to go against God's anointed, His leadership. Because to argue or murmur against them is really arguing, grumbling, murmuring against God Almighty Himself. And that is not a wise place to put yourself. Hold that aside for a moment. I want to answer this question asked of me last week a couple of times back in Joshua. I want to tell you what the biblical idea of prosperity and success is. You need to realize that in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, prosperity and success aren't to be measured by the standards of this world. These blessings, prosperity, these blessings, success, are the byproduct of a life devoted to obedience and knowledge of the Word of God. It's just as verse 8 told us through Joshua. This book of the law, Joshua, should not depart from your mouth. You're going to meditate on it day and night because you ought to be careful to do according to all that is written. Then, if you do what's written within this word, then your your ways will be prosperous. Then you're going to find success. You see, I've lived long enough as a believer in Jesus Christ and I have seen people on both ends of the spectrum. I've seen tremendously successful people, more successful than you'll ever and I'll ever become. And some of them more destitute than you and I ever wish or hoped to be. I've seen both groups, rich and poor, successful and unsuccessful. And both groups were filled with people who were miserable without a purpose in their lives. You see, without a purpose in your life, without a knowledge of the Word of God, without not straying from the Word of God, is the only way you and I will find true success and true prosperity. You see, in the eyes of God, success and prosperity are not riches nor a position in this world as far as the world sees it, but rather success and prosperity in the eyes of God is plain and simple. Peace with Him. Peace in all that you do. Peace in all that you are. Whether it be rich or poor, whether it be successful or what the world considers unsuccessful. 
The Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. You be careful to do all that I have given you, all that I have written you, and don't turn from it, neither to the right or the left. Then you're going to find success. Then you're going to find prosperity. Let's go back and take a look at this text in chapter 1 of Joshua. I want you to note that Joshua's words to his leaders and to the people were the words of faith and encouragement. Look at verse 11. He says to them, you're going to cross this Jordan. You're going to go in and possess this land, which the Lord your God has given you to possess. That was a similar speech that Joshua and Caleb made some 40 years earlier. That was back in Numbers chapter 13 that I reminded you of. But that generation would not listen. And now they are dead and gone. But the new generation was ready. Ready to believe God. Ready to listen to His leadership. And consequently, ready to conquer the land. In this commentary, and I've read, Dr. Wiersbe writes this. This, I believe, is a true story because he didn't say it wasn't. He said a friend of his who was a pastor of a church, and he didn't name the pastor, nor did he name the church. But he said he wanted to build a new educational plan. He told Dr. Wearsby about it because their Sunday school classes were exploding. But one member on the board, who was a prominent businessman in the community, said to this pastor, you're going to build this over my dead body. You see, he didn't feel like it was the time for the church to have this new building. He didn't feel like it was the time for them to raise the money to do it. And so he looked at the pastor and he says, you'll do this over my dead body. And Dr. Weirdby writes, and he adds, sadly, I might say, A few days later, this man had a heart attack and died, and the church did move ahead and did build that much-needed educational plant. You see, it's not good to go against God's Word. You see, sadly, there are times when we get set in our ways. We become a people who say, we can't do that. We've never done it this way before and oh my god have i heard that i can't even tell you how many times i've heard that statement we can't do that we've never done it like that before oh yeah i've heard that you know what joshua was joshua was one of the oldest men in the camp and yet he was enthusiastic about change about trusting god about finding a place for the next generation. This land that they were crossing over for wasn't so much all about Joshua. It was about the new and next generation. You see, change isn't a matter of one's age. It's a matter of one's faith. It's a matter of one believing God. It's a matter of taking care of the next generation. And stop looking out for your own personal interests, but looking out for and caring for the the other person. It's, it's the verse that I've said in every marriage I've ever done. It's one of my favorite verses. It's in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, Do nothing from selfishness, nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard the other person as more important than you do your own self. Don't look out for your own personal interests, but look out for and care for the other person. 
Look, I thank God for those of you who are older like me and who have been part of our church and yet still have a passion to trust the Lord in His leadership to wish to move forward so as to pass the baton on to the next generation. I feel sorry for you men that do not come to Wednesday morning breakfasts with us because you're missing some of the greatest young teachers that I've ever had the privilege of listening to. Young men who are alive with a passion for Jesus Christ, who come to breakfast in their flip-flops, who come to breakfast with their pants as it looks like it's going to fall down if they jump up and down. And so what do you do? Some have come to me and said, can you see the way they dress? And I says, yeah, what do you want them to do? Put on polyesters and have them up to here? Will that make you feel a little more comfortable with them? It's not their generation. Their generation wears jeans that have holes in them, flip-flops. Don't look at their clothes. Look at their hearts. Take a look at who they are in their heart and then judge their hearts, but not their appearance. I've had some of us who are older here says, this music's too loud. Don't you know it's it's too loud? Yeah, it's loud for me too. But it's not for you. Some of it's not for you. I, I understand. I know that some people have left because of the music of our church. Sometimes the music's not for you. Sometimes it's for the next generation. I know I'm preaching to the choir. Please forgive me. So if you want to be blessed, gentlemen, come to a Wednesday morning and listen to Rob Selig teach. Hear Wes Porter pour his heart out. Become prepared to see jeans that look like they're going to fall off their hips at any moment. But look beyond their appearance and take a look at their hearts. To get back to the point of this story, what I think is the very crux of a church or a business or anything else, in verses 13 and 14, 12, 13, and 14, Joshua goes specifically to the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and the tribe of the Manassas. And he says to them, I want you to remember what Moses made you promise. You see, they did not want to cross the Jordan. They wanted to keep the land on this side of the Jordan. I have, a, I have time. Look with me back at Numbers. Numbers is just to the left. You'll go past Deuteronomy and look at Numbers chapter 32. It's just before Deuteronomy. In chapter 32, it said, verse 1, Now the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad had an extremely large number of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazar and the land Gilead, it was indeed a place suitable for their livestock. They said, look, in verse 5, If we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants. Don't let us go across the Jordan. 
Verse 6 tells us, Moses said to the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war while you sit here yourselves? Why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing over the land which the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Carnish Barnea to see the land. And then he said, The Lord's anger, verse 10, burnt against them. And he said, None of the men, verse 11, who came up from Egypt from 20 years older and upward shall see the land, as I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, because they didn't follow me fully, except Caleb did and Joshua did. And then he says in verse 22, And the land is subdued before the Lord. Then afterwards you shall return. You shall be free from your obligation toward the Lord and towards Israel. And this land, this land on this side of the Jordan, it shall be yours. The reason I tell you that, I want you to come back with me, please, to Joshua. Joshua told the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and the tribe of Manasseh, you made a promise to Moses... You made a promise before God. You made a vow. You have to go to the other side and fight with us. You see, Joshua's major concern was one, and that was this, that Israel would be a unified people so that they could go and conquer the land and worship the Lord their God just as God had given to them. And he knew from Moses that he needed every single one of the tribes, every single one of the men over 20 years of age to do battle in the promised land. But they all didn't keep their promises. You and I will see. In Numbers chapter 1 and verse 3, you don't have to turn there. You don't have to. But the men who were 20 years of age and older were the ones to go do battle, those who were able. And the record shows us in chapter 26 and verse 7, the tribe of Gad had 49,730 men. The tribe of Reuben had 40,500 men. The tribe of Manasseh had 52,700 men. But if you look at me, that's, by the way, if you add it up, it would be 136,930 men, almost 137,000 able men to go do battle. But if you look with me at Joshua chapter 4, and if you look with me at verses 12 and 13, it said, "...in the sons of Reuben," verse 12 of chapter 4, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over in battle array just as they've been asked to do before the sons of Israel just as Moses had spoken to them about how many were equipped for war? How many? 137,000 men. How many went? 40. 40,000 actually crossed. 40,000 actually fought against and for Israel in the promised land. We're going to see the problem that that arises later, but let me just tell you this as I'm going to close this message. This is what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the church today. Every single one of us have been gifted. The moment we come to Jesus Christ, every single one of us have been gifted with a spiritual gift. Every single one of us. Not a one of you have not been gifted by God. And God has given every single one of us the gift that He has given us so as to use to glorify His most precious name. And so we sang a song a little bit earlier, Be Glorified. Be glorified in me. Oh, really? In churches today, many people sit on the side and let the others go do battle. Let the others get scarred up and dirty. I understand some of the some of the excuses are legitimate. I'm not trying to say they're not. Some of us don't have enough time. I'm fully aware of that, but you do have time to pray. 
Some of you feel like you don't have enough talent. I'm fully aware of that. But if you would just come and allow us to equip you and help you, we would help you find your talent. Some of you are fearful. I'm fully aware of that. I'm scared every time. Not so much now anymore. But I used to be so scared to go into the pulpit, so afraid. Lord, is this the last message you'll ever give me? I can't even tell you how many times I think that and and wonder that. I wonder when I go home. Sometimes I'll go home Sunday and I'll get right back into Word. I'm afraid if I don't keep it going. The Lord's going to say, enough. That's the last message I want to give you. So I rush back to try to keep the momentum. I understand fear. I've never been a public speaker, speaker ever in my life. Ask Pastor Wes. Other churches want me to come and speak. I don't want to go. I've been asked to do things in the community. I don't want to go. I don't want to be up in front of people. It makes me nervous. I sweat. I understand the fear. I understand the feeling of don't have the time. I don't have the finances. I understand it all. Trust me, I do. But I feel sorry for those of you that sit back And let the other people get battled and scarred as we serve the Lord together. I'm sorry for those that leave this church. I I don't mind that they leave. If they want to leave, okay. But that's one of the problems with the United States of America. There's a church on this corner right over here. There's a church on the corner over there. There's hundreds of churches you can go to. I just wish you'd let me know so that I could call up the pastor and say, you better not play the wrong music, buster. Because if they get entrenched in your church and they don't like your music, they're going to grumble. You better paint that building the right color, pal. You see, when we're in a family, when we're really in a family, we talk through, we reason together, and we don't bust away and leave. We stay and try to make what God has made of us the best we can make it. I understand I'm preaching to the choir. I understand, but look around. The seats are emptier. Now, there's not a lot of people going. In fact, the matter is, I've been told that, that our, 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 our attendance is even moving upward. I've been told that our giving is even moving upward in this difficult time. I'm not complaining. I'm just... I'm just heartbroken. I want this church to be so established for the young people to come here. I assume today, I assume today at 9.45, some of the young people are going to gather in here and pray. Is that true? Our high school, junior high department, I made a commitment to pray for this church. At 9.45, in between the services, in between the services, Last time I heard was 15, 17 young people come in here and pray for this service and the next service. They pray for us, old codgers, so that we'll pass the baton to them 
And so many of us older folks want to put them in polyester, put them up to here, and try to make them in our image. No, no. What we ought to give them is a heart. They like faster, harder, stronger music than you and I do. Let's face it. Someone came up to me last night, you know, and stayed, and they were really convicted. They said, you know, I've really been complaining over the music. And, and I whispered her in her ears, I don't always like it either. She just was astonished. But what I do like is that we worship from our hearts here. <laughs> what I do like is we have a church that wants to serve the Lord and pass the baton of faith to the next generation. And so for those of us who are set in our ways, I ask you to go before the Lord and ask Him to give you a heart that will love what He is doing in this church. The strength of a leader is a person that holds faithfully to the Word of God. The true strength of a leader, the difference between 40 years in the life of Joshua were people who said, no, we won't go. Not a very good leader. 40 years later, yes, we'll go. We'll follow you wherever you want us to, Joshua. Only may God be with you, Joshua, as he was with Moses, Joshua. The strength of a leader is someone who will hold true to the word of God, who will have people who will follow him and her wherever they may go and pray for them that God will bless them. If any of you want the responsibility of leading this church, if you come to me, I will hand it to you as long as you allow me to continue preaching. But heavy will become your heart if you really, truly love the Lord and love the people that God has given to you. You see, it's not just words when I tell you I love you. It's not just words. It is a life commitment. So, what will we do with this message? Father, would you please bless it within our hearts. For those of us that needed to hear it, so be that, Father. I pray that there was no hidden agenda, that I had nothing to say that was like, a, you know, I hope pray that it wasn't, Father. That's all I can say. You know, you know how hard I prayed about this. I just pray, Father, that you will bless us, that we will see that the strength of our families, the strength of a church, the strength of a business comes from people who will follow after your word and other people who will follow and trust the leadership and will pray, pray for the leadership. And so, Lord, bless us, please. We would love to be a blessing in this community in which we live. We would love, Father God, to reach as far as you would want us to go. There are lands and there are people that I am certain this church one day will reach. I pray your blessings upon those that have dreams about where we're going and what we're doing. And for those of us who are maybe older, Will we help them fulfill their dreams? I pray, Father, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you folks more than I can ever put into words. Thank you for listening. I love you. Have a great day.